everyone. Welcome to Real World Parenting, tips and scripts for parents on roads less traveled. I'm Dr. Laura Anderson, a child and family psychologist, and I'm glad you're here. As you settle in to listen, let me reassure you that you are in the right place. If you're a loving parent looking for answers and encouragement, and maybe even a chuckle amidst hard things. If you're a loving parent who's raising a child on a journey different from your own as a child, and are seeking a compass as you navigate uncharted waters. This is the place for you if you get the theory of parenting advice you keep hearing, but for the love of chocolate and curry and all other nearly perfect things, that theory never quite works as planned with your actual children. Finally, you are in exactly the right place if you're a therapist or clinician who works with kids, teens, and families. My intention is that these episodes will deepen your work and change lives. So in this intro, I get two to three minutes here to boil down 30 years of work in my psychology offices and my experience as a mom in the trenches and let you know what I'll offer with this podcast. I almost called it lessons from our living rooms or couch conversations because my offerings will be things I've learned and keep learning from the vantage point of both my living room couch and my therapy office couch. The aim of this podcast is to offer hope, support, wisdom, and experience in community, to provide clinicians a window into what our recommendations actually mean for real families in real life. We will talk all things kid and teen related and shine a spotlight on families navigating identities related to race, gender, and adoption. We will explore common child and adolescent mental health and wellness related topics. The hope is to leave you with a greater understanding of your child's needs and a, you got this, energy. Episodes will also feature actual practical tips and answers to questions including, well, what do I say when? And what do I do when? So that you feel equipped to handle the day-to-day parenting puzzles we face. So pour yourself a cuppa or lace up some shoes or hide in your busy parent bathroom for a bit and join me for head and heart conversations about loving and living with children walking past less often traveled. Have I mentioned I'm glad you're here? I trust that you'll be glad. Hi, everyone. I am so glad that you all are able to join me today. And I am thrilled for a couple of reasons that Ann Garcia is with me. First of all, she's been incredibly gracious about the fact that we had some snafus um, in the recording process, followed by some horse accidents that that um, waylaid the release of an earlier record. So I'm thrilled that Anne is able to be here again today and refresh my memory about the importance of today's topic, which has to do with um, financial planning and kids and families and, and education. Welcome, Anne. Thank you for having me. Sure. Tell us a little bit, just give up, you know, it's, it's your chance to do a quick why why is this topic meaningful for you a little bio how do you end up in this chair chatting with me about this today yeah absolutely so we're going to talk about how to pay for college and uh i ended up spending a lot of time on this topic for a couple of reasons first of all i am a financial planner and early in my career as a planner i discovered i was talking a lot with two groups of people one were 
parents who couldn't figure out how they were going to crack this gigantic nut called college. (laughs) And another was young adults who had taken on so much student loan debt in pursuit of their education that that was that that college, instead of opening doors for them, was really closing them. You know, they were struggling to figure out how they were going to save for retirement, how they could buy a home, you know, in some cases, even how to have any kind of emergency savings because their student loan debt was taking up so much of their money. And I realized if I could help that first group of, you know, those parents, if I could help them figure out how they were going to pay for this, then I might end up talking to less of those young adults who are so struggling with the downstream results of that. I'm a parent myself. I have twins who just graduated from college this year. So it was also important for me to know this for, you know, for my own kids' education. And, um, and so it was just a topic that I started that I started digging into, and over time that led first to a blog, um, which is on my website, howtopayforcollege.com, and then a book um, by the same title, How to Pay for College. Awesome. Well, yeah, and we were for the for the couple minutes we had before we logged in, we were saying that, I mean, twins will put an added pressure on figuring out planning and money and timing, but that 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 yours have graduated and that actually you're getting some perks from their employment. So I was saying it's a light. It's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, we are at the light at the end of the tunnel. We are done paying for college. My kids both graduated from college this year. Um, and I would say, you know, to your point that there's added pressure as a twin parent, I would say it's, it's different pressure. You know, everyone feels pressure about it. But one of the things that I found really interesting was that despite being twins, my kids are really, really different Mm. students and really, really different in how they engage with their surroundings. And so they had very, very different, you know, they they both attended really, really different colleges and had a really different different processes for figuring out what was going to be the right fit for them. I appreciate that. Yeah, that because that's that it all gets wrapped up, right? And and ideally, you hope that that when you find a fit that makes sense for your any of your children's different learning profiles, that the conversation we're going to have today hopefully allows parents to to provide options for their kids, right? So hopefully, with some financial planning, your your children will be able to pursue a variety of options for college and education if if some of these conversations we have today kick in a little bit early on so well and you brought up such a good point that you know it's it's what's the best fit for your student for the profile of your student you know we as parents we have a tendency to look for external markers about what's the right pathway through college and really the right pathway depends on your kid so you have to approach it from the perspective of what's right for my kid not just academically, but also socially and financially for your family. And that's how you get the most out of a college education. College experience. So, so for parents listening in today, what makes it, what makes it hard? What do you see gets in the way of families having clear cut plans for college savings? Well, I think there's a couple of things that make it hard. Um, You know, just big picture, I think there's so much noise out there about how college is so expensive and it's only getting more expensive. Oh, and by the way, you know, colleges are so selective and you're probably not going to get in. Um, And and so I think the whole process can can be very, very intimidating. You know, if you hear private colleges cost $85,000 a year and you look at your student and you say, you know what? 
my student isn't a good fit for a big public school, but $85,000 a year isn't, isn't workable for my family either. I think that can be extremely intimidating. And I think too, you know, the other side of it is when you go small picture and you're looking at your own situation and you say, well, I would like to start saving for college. I have a very young child. They could be a brilliant scholar. They could be an okay student, um, or they could be not on the college path at all. And so what's, what's the right number? Where, where do I start? Um, and, and I think there's, a, you know, an easy answer to that is to break both of those things down. You know, first and foremost, college only costs $85,000 a year if you choose to pay $85,000 a year to go to college. Great college options are available at every price point if you're open, you know, if you're open to looking for them. So my son has a friend who just graduated from college for $0. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You know, she did free community college for her first two years, and then she was working at Starbucks. And Starbucks has a partnership program with Arizona State's online program, and she finished up there and got her degree and is out in the world working and, again, spent $0 on on tuition and and fees. My daughter, on the other hand, attended the world's most expensive private university, and probably a third of her classmates paid full price to go there. She's not one of them. (laughs) So there are lots and lots of, you know, college is available at lots and lots of price points. So I think for a family, the best thing to do is say, what can we afford to save at this point? And then get on it, open up a 529 plan, set up a monthly contribution and start saving. Be disciplined and intentional. If this is important for you, it's important for you to to have some discipline around doing it. So carving out an amount of your budget every month that can be dedicated to college. You know, the great thing about 529 plans is if that number is $5, you can find a 529 plan where the minimum contribution is $5. If it's thousand dollars you'll find plenty that will accept that money as well and everything and everything in between the important thing is like i said be disciplined and intentional in your savings come up with something that works for you and from time to time revisit what you're doing because that's the you know the downside of automation is <laughs> is that it's easy to just leave it in the back burner and when you have a two-year-old maybe ten dollars is all you can do but once they start going to school or, you know, later on in life or you get a bonus or something like that, there may be some more dollars available that can be that can be allocated there as well. One of the great things that happened with 529 plans just in the past year is the Secure 2.0 Act passed, which allows you to roll over $35,000 from a 529 to a Roth IRA without any taxes or penalties. So for parents who are saying, I don't know if my kid's ever going to go to college, think of your 529 not as a college savings account, but as a launch my kid account. Because if they don't go to college, there's a great option of converting it to a Roth IRA. It can, of course, also be used for community college, apprenticeship programs, all sorts of all sorts of other things. Great. And are there any? I think I have an a, an, an antiquated 
view. I have too little information and it may be outdated about the 529s. So this is perfect. Are there any drawbacks? I, I remember like, well, they can only apply to certain institutes. Is that, is that really outdated information in terms of, are there oh. any limits? <laughs> okay. So let's take a step back. A 529 is a yes. dedicated college savings account. Um, and it has some tax advantages. So first and foremost, um, you put money in, it grows tax-free, and as long as you spend it for college or another qualified expense, so college tuition, room and board, um, books, um, re- required fees, or like I said, community college, apprenticeship programs, or rolling it over to a Roth IRA, all of that growth in it is tax-free. And that's a really huge advantage. I mean, basically think of that as, as your money could be worth, you know, depending on your tax bracket, 25% more um in the future than uh um than if you put it in a in a regular account many states also offer tax benefits for contributions into their plan if you're a state resident so 529 plans are run by the states every state except for one has one now you are not limited to using your state's plan but if your state offers a tax benefit for your contributions you're probably better off doing that and your choice of a 529 plan does not limit your choice of colleges you could use that money at so any 529 can be used at any place where you could take out a federal student loan for education so that's private for nonprofit colleges, it's private. For-profit colleges, it's public colleges. It's community colleges. It's apprenticeship programs. A lot of international colleges allow um, <clears throat> you can use five twenty nine dollars for for those uh, as well. And again, because you can use them for room and board in addition to tuition, you know, many times there are many times people choose to go to an international college for the lower or um, or non um, tuition, but you can still use it for for room and board. All right. Super helpful in figuring out because, yeah, I had just enough information to be dangerous and and inaccurate (laughs) in that regard. I think 529s are probably one of the most or one of the least well understood financial tools that are out there. Yes. Okay. so as far is there. It sounds like then there are a few drawbacks, like if parents are like, okay, what do I need to the the immediate takeaway message is do an assessment, you know, of of your budget and look at what you can put away every month in a 529 account, knowing that it'll have flexibility depending on the learning path that your child is on. Exactly. Exactly. And that you get tremendous tax benefits from having done so, so that money grows in ways or is protected from being taxed in ways that that make it a wise investment, no matter how your child ends up applying it. Um, yeah. The other thing I would say is there's been a ton of research done about um, the impact of having savings on on going to college. And one of the consistent learnings is that students whose families have saved for college, even in very small amounts, like $500, not only enroll in college at higher rates than those who don't, but they graduate at higher rates. And really what you, you know, what we always think about is where are we going to go to college? But what we want to think about is our child is going to graduate from college with with a degree because because it's it's the actual earning of the degree that confers the economic and non-economic benefits of of attending college which are quite significant. Yes, right. I know. It's still still yes, very very true that there are the data shows us there are definitely benefits to 
to education beyond high school in terms of earning and security and things. Um, so tell me a little bit about involving your kid in this. Like, it's been a funny thing. I never would have said in my, you know, parenting guidebook before I became a parent that it made sense, you know, to tell your, <laughs> sometimes it's never a good parenting move to share financial anxieties with your children <laughs> and in terms of like, we can't afford that. You know, the, the, the occasional time that that has come uh, firing out of my mouth. I have a, I have a very happy spending consumer kid in my household <laughs> who just has these amazing dreams and, and he really better make a loads and loads and loads of money to sustain his lifestyle um and so how so how do you point being we don't want to stress our kids out about it but including them and in it also seems like a really good decision just in terms of their investment emotionally right? and knowledge wise in this process how do you talk to kids about college savings and finances and budgeting and money as you're building up yeah. Well, and it's, I think it's such an important piece of it. I always say planning for college is equal parts financial planning and parenting mm -hmm. because your kid does need to have a high level of agency in this process. They're the one who actually has to go to the college, <laughs> go to class and, and, and graduate for the whole enterprise to be, to be worthwhile. And I think the sooner, you know, the sooner you start all of all types of planning for college, the, the better. So, you know, when it comes to savings, the earlier you start, the more work your money does, the later you start, the more work you do. Similarly, on the parenting side, the sooner you start introducing the concept of college in age-appropriate ways, the more opportunities you have to position yourself as your child's partner as opposed to the gatekeeper. Mm. Uh, so I would say, you know, for, for parents of very young kids, a really good exercise is to get yourselves on the same page about how you want to support your kid through their educational journey. And that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, as parents of a newborn, you have to be locked in to a plan that's going to get you through the next 22 years. But you should be talking about things like, is college essential? Is it optional? Is it you don't care at all? Um, do you feel that it's important for your kid to have some skin in the game? Do you have strong feelings about your own alma mater compared with other and compared with other schools, do you have, you know, what, what are your expectations for that? And get yourselves on the same page. It doesn't mean you have to agree about everything, but it does mean that you should be presenting a common front to, to your child when you, when you talk about education. Yeah. I think with young kids, great conversations to have are what I would call college adjacent conversations. You know, when the opportunity comes up, bring up some way that either college enriched your life or that it, you might hope that it will enrich yours, whether it's talking about friends you made in college or talking about things you learned in, a, in appropriate ways. You know, this isn't like, I want you going to this preschool because this preschool sends more people to Harvard than this other one. It's, you know... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I had a great time with my friend Kelly. We're, we met in college and we've had all these great, you know, experiences together over the years. And I really value that friendship. And I'm, you know, I'm glad we were at the same college. So I was able to, to meet her. Um, as your kids get older, there are lots and lots more ways to start 
involving them in, in that and, and bringing money into the equation. You know, if you have a local college, there's probably activities that kids can go to, you know, oftentimes they'll do, you know, workshop days that young kids can go and, and attend. Um, you can go to a college sports event or a music event or theater, or whatever your kid's interested in. Chances are there's a local college near you that has that has something like that. I think once kids gets to middle school, it's appropriate to start bringing up the dollars. If for no other reason than they're starting to see college because they might have friends who have older siblings who are starting to apply for colleges or who are in college already. Um, but that's a great time to start talking to your kid. Uh, and, you know, at that point, you also have a better sense of what kind of a student they are and what their likely pathway um is but that's a great time to start mentioning to them things like that you've been saving for their college education because college is important to you um if they see you know a friend's sibling applying to some different colleges look up the cost of those colleges and talk about the difference between a $25,000 a year college and an $85,000 a year college you know all the things that you could do um that you could do with that money you can talk about there being scholarships available for lots and lots of different um, of different types of things. But I think it's really important to, to also be communicating to them, this is important to us and we've been saving so that we can support you in, in, in this journey. That's also a great time, you know, reconvene the parents, look at your savings, look at your budget, your ability to pay out of pocket and say, are we on a path to the kinds of opportunities we want to make available to our kid, um, whether that's for your in-state public college, whether that's private college, whether it's community college, and then on to college, you know, and then on to a four-year degree. Whatever it is, are you on track to provide some, you know, some educational opportunity for for your kid? And and the reason I think it's helpful to do in middle school is you have a lot more time to adjust. You know, maybe there's an opportunity to save a little bit more. Maybe um, you can look at how your state schools award automatic merit scholarships so that you can have your kid on the on the academic pathway to be to be getting those. And maybe it's time to have a good hard look at your finances and say it doesn't look like four years of residential college are going to work for our family. So let's start getting, you know, let's start getting in our minds that we need to be looking at alternative pathways, which are also great options. Right. (laughs) Valuable. Absolutely. And technical schools and training schools. I mean, now we're, it's, it's been really interesting just as an aside. Um, Yeah. With all due respect for folks who have just multiple intelligences, right. And maybe going to do training in any number of skilled labor areas that are such critical skills to have. And that I have an increasing appreciation for with my complete lack of ability in those areas. Right. And I think like the, yeah, having 
checking our biases around that stuff is really important as well. Um, knowing the fit for your kid and also knowing the story you're telling yourself about what it will mean if your child pursues one avenue versus another. And, and looking at that means that you can really keep your kid in focus. So do a little gut check about what happens uh, when other folks are discussing certain kinds of educational paths. And and yeah, then you can really center your kid if you're not sorting through your layers or we should, we ought to, we have to. The only way to X, Y, Z is this way. Um, it's a great time for parents to sit together and do a gut and value check and also a spotlight on your child um, in some of these decisions, I think is really important as well. Um and I would say too, you know, the fact that you can't that, that you can't fund four years of residential college experience also doesn't mean that your kid can't go to college, um, because there are many many great pathways through college. You know, maybe they can get a bunch of AP or IB credits while they're in high school, so that they're looking at three years instead of four. Maybe your state college system offers a dual enrollment program where. They can be attending community college either their last two years of high school or their first two years of, of college that integrates with your four-year program so that those credits transfer over and then they're going for, you know, then they're only going for two years. Maybe you look at things like what my son's friend did and, um, you know, and do free community college and then an online program because there are loads and loads of employers, not just Starbucks that offer, that offer programs, programs like that. So there are, there are definitely plenty of pathways. What you don't want to do is wait until senior year of high school where your kid has fallen in love with something that's totally outside of your budget. Right. And not just outside of your budget, but you're thinking two years of community college and then transfer to your local four-year college, and they're thinking four years of of private college because that's a really, really big, big gap to to bridge. I think once kids get into high school, you can absolutely start talking numbers with them. Um, and, And I think it's really important to have these conversations from the perspective of goals as opposed to limitations or constraints. Mm. So so rather than saying, sorry, you have to start at community college or, you know, you you can only apply to Oregon State because that's all we can afford, maybe a better way to approach that conversation is it's really important to us that you go to college and we've been saving diligently for it. And you probably know that college is expensive. Our budget is enough for you to get through, you know, insert pathway here, debt-free. There are probably other options that you can find out there and we will absolutely support you on that, on that journey. Um, And here's kind of our target number that we're looking to spend on your college. Here's what we think is reasonable for you to contribute in term from the perspective of your own earnings while you're a student, um, student loans if you're, um, you know, if your family's okay with that and, um, and, you know, and have, have a number that, um, have a number that they can shoot for because there are what 4,000 colleges in, in the country, there can't be only one that's going to work for your kid. (laughs) Right. Yes. I appreciate all of that. And how, tell, talk a little bit about the, um, Financial aid versus merit scholarships versus scholarships of other kinds. I think I've seen 
I've seen both in terms of just watching folks either not even think they'll qualify for any kind of scholarship because maybe they make in their estimation enough money not to qualify for scholarships or, mm-hmm. you know, all, all they're telling themselves they can't qualify for any scholarships for their child. And then I've seen other folks sort of really count on the fact that their child is going to get an ac- I mean, an athletic scholarship or a, some other kind of scholarship. Talk about that financial aid versus merit versus scholarships and what you see with families and scholarships in general. Yeah. So here's the good news. Every college offers scholarships. Here's some more good news. Every student is eligible for scholarships, (laughs) but not every student will be offered scholarships at every college. So (laughs) so let's take a minute and break down the kinds of scholarships that are out there. So the first one, um, as you alluded to, there is financial aid and that those are scholarships and grants that are awarded on the basis of financial need. So your ability to pay for college as calculated by the FAFSA or the CSS profile is less than the cost of attendance at the college and the college offers scholarships to to cover that that gap. So so that is need-based financial aid and again it's based on the FAFSA and the CSS profile. Now um when you I think one of the big mistakes that people who are eligible for need-based financial aid make is they assume I'm eligible for aid, therefore all colleges will give it to me. And it doesn't work that way. Not all colleges do. Fortunately, um, all colleges are required to have a tool on their website called a net price calculator. And with that tool, you punch in your financial information and it will tell you what students like you paid to attend that school in the in the current year. So it's a non-binding estimate, but I know we found when we were going through that process that Everywhere my daughter applied to, her aid package came within $2,000 of what the net price calculator had, had oh. said it, it would be. So, so we found them to be, to be reasonably, reasonably accurate. And you can absolutely use that to just rule some, rule some schools out. Like I said, there's 4,000 colleges out there. You can find, yes. <laughs> you can find more than one that would be a, a good fit for you. So there's another type of, of scholarship called merit scholarships. And we often think of athletic scholarships, but it's really the mathletes who clean up <laughs> on the merit scholarships. The vast majority of merit scholarships go to good students um, as opposed to good athletes by a factor of more than 10. Wow. I did not know that. Um, and, and you can find a college that will offer your student a merit scholarship. It won't be Harvard because Harvard doesn't give merit scholarships. Okay. <laughs> it's, pro- you know, almost all public colleges offer merit scholarships. And the great thing with public colleges is they typically post on their website, you know, everybody who has this GPA and this test score, if they require test scores for it, will get this amount of of scholarship. So that can be a great starting point for looking at what sort of your baseline college cost will be. So I know we could be eligible for this scholarship. Yeah. And, and, and that's what we'll, um, what we'll work towards as our, as our, as our cost, but plenty of, um, plenty of private colleges offer them as well. Oftentimes you can see that information on, um, on their website. They'll just have a list of scholarships that they offer a great tool for finding, for finding colleges that do and don't is, um, there's a website called college data, which is collegedata.com. 
And if you look up a college on college data, there's a tab called financials. If you click on that tab, you will see, first of all, which aid forms they use. Is it the FAFSA only, or do they also require the CSS profile? And then it'll show of students who had financial need, what percent of them got need-based scholarships and what percent of their need was met. Okay. So colleges are under no obligation to meet all of your financial need, but what you want to find is 100% of students who had need got need-based aid and that met 100% of, of their need. Um, so that's, you know, that's the holy grail yeah. <laughs> of, of colleges for, for students who have, have high need is, is colleges that meet 100% of that need. There's another line item under financials that says what percent of students who did not have financial need also got a scholarship and what's the average amount of that scholarship. So that's wow. what the merit scholarship pool looks like at, at a college. Okay. So that's um, that can be a great place to start looking. You know, if you're if you're a family who is not likely to be eligible for need based financial aid, and a couple of tools for figuring out if you're eligible for um, for need based aid. One is the student aid estimator on the Federal Department of Education website, which is studentaid.gov. Um, you can type in that your your information there, and it'll give you an estimate of a number called your student aid index, which is the amount that they consider you are able to pay for college every year. If that's lower than the cost of attendance, then you're eligible for need-based aid. Um, the college board on its website has an EFC, or expected family contribution estimator for the CSS profile. And so you can do both of those and get a sense, okay, are we, are we eligible or not eligible for need-based aid? Many families will find they're eligible at some schools, not at other. You know, if you're if your student aid index is $35,000, you're not eligible for need-based aid at public colleges, but you would be at, at private colleges. So just as, a, as an example. So, so those two types of scholarships, the financial aid on the basis of need and merit scholarships offered by the college, that's what's called institutional aid. So, so scholarships that come from the college and for 99% of students, those are the most generous scholarships that you're that you're going to get. You know, a typical institutional merit scholarship at a private college is usually, you know, in the 20 to 25,000 or more dollars per year. Other good news is most of those scholarships are awarded automatically just because you applied to the college and submitted your FAFSA and your CSS profile if if you need to. There are often other scholarships that you can apply to. So as you're looking for colleges, you know, look for what are the other, you know, what are the other things out there? And do I need to be doing extra applications to be considered for, for any of these of these other scholarships? <clears throat> um, there's a third type of scholarships, which is what's called outside scholarships. And so outside scholarships are offered by anyone other than the college. Maybe your employer has scholarships. Um, your local Rotary has scholarships. Um, colleges alumni groups often, particularly if they're in a different area, often have scholarships available for um, for local students who go to that college. So my husband went to University of Michigan, and my son went to University of Arizona, and we were down in Tucson one time and went to a Michigan Alumni Association event, and they always fundraised at these events. And they said, you know, we have this big scholarship pool because it's been a few years since anyone from Tucson has gone to Michigan. So if you're out there listening, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right. no, there's a scholarship for you there. Um, um, but they can, um, 
you know, they can come from lots and lots of different places. My, uh, my daughter found a scholarship that her high school computer science teacher recommended she apply for. Um, and she got, you know, $5,000 a year plus a, um, plus a professional mentor who helped her find an internship that led to, um, to a, a job. Um, wow. so lots and lots of opportunities out there for outside scholarships. These tend to be smaller than the institutional scholarships. So rather than thinking this is what makes, um, you know, an $80,000 a year college possible on a $15,000 a year budget, think of these as these are scholarships that might be the difference between taking out a student loan and not taking out a student loan or mm -hmm. um, going to your top choice college that's just outside your budget, but that you know is going to be a great fit and going to your top financial choice yeah. college that might not be um, a, a, a good fit for you. The other thing is, so well, I mentioned that one type of scholarships you're automatically considered for by your college, these generally require you to find scholarships you're eligible for and apply for them. Um, now, there are big websites out there like FastWeb and the College Board have scholarship search um, functions. I think the best place to look for scholars for these outside scholarships is at your high school's college and career planning center. Okay. Because they'll have scholarships that are just available for local students, sometimes even students just at your high school, sometimes a subset of your high school. And, you know, our high school's football team had like 20 different scholarships that they um, that they gave out. And that was just to football players. Right. Um, the tennis team had a scholarship. There's a scholarship for theater kids. So all of those are very small pools. Right. Where you be one of a very small number of of people um, of people applying. So, so the key takeaway message is right. Don't count yourself in or out. Do the research on these different kinds of uh, financial bonuses for your family, <laughs> and and yeah, and and thank you for mentioning some of those great sites in particular too. Because I think that's the other thing is parents just feel. Like it's a big. Where do I go to find exactly. this? Exactly. Big opaque. Totally. Mm -hmm. Like wait, even literally, parents are like we don't even know where to start. So it's like you know, or they start with um, where their you know siblings' kids went, or where they you know where mm -hmm. they themselves went, even if it's not again the best fit. So. So how tell you mentioned some just for folks, I don't know, the varying degrees of comfort when you said FAFSA and CSS, CSS profile. What are those? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So those are the two financial aid applications. So the FAFSA is the federal form. It's the free application for federal student aid. And anyone who wants to be considered for any kind of financial aid needs to file the FAFSA. Again, doesn't guarantee that you're going to get it. The one thing that the FAFSA guarantees you is access to federal student loans. So okay. if you want to take out the direct student loan, the Parent PLUS loan, um, if you want to be considered for work study, because that's a federal program, if you want to be considered for a Pell Grant, all of those require you to file the FAFSA. And then in addition to those federal dollars, colleges use the information that the FAFSA provides to be able to evaluate every student's ability to pay on a consistent set of metrics. So the FAFSA looks at parents' income and assets and then students' income and assets and comes up with a number based on that. Um, rather than go into all the gory details here, um, if you go to my website, howtopayforcollege.com, there is a detailed explanation of how the FAFSA calculates um, your ability to pay for college. The CSS profile is a similar form. 
It's used by about 400 private colleges and it's used for them to allocate their own money for, for scholarships. So many families will never see the CSS profile. Many families will file, fill it out one time when there's kids, a high school senior, and then they won't go to one of those colleges. And many families will fill it out for, for many, many years. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. That's super helpful to clarify. Um, it does feels like a, 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 a learning a new language in some ways, and yet it's doable, right? Like with the resources being able to be directed toward things like your book and these websites you're mentioning and, and really can make this sort of, it feels like this ethereal out there, unclear thing that there are ways to really break this down and really see the numbers save to the numbers right within within a range so it can make something that does seem really abstract and overwhelming much more of a step-by-step chunkable <laughs> process yeah. in all of this right what what are the yeah, well, and, yeah, you know one of the things that i talk about a lot in my book too is thinking of your child as a student and as a person you know how do they engage with their surroundings how do what makes them successful or unsuccessful as a student what makes them happy or unhappy And how do you, you know, how do you identify those characteristics so that when you're looking for college, you're looking, when you're looking at colleges, you're looking at places where not only is it a good academic fit for them, but where they're also going to engage, you know, with their friends, with their peers, find their place, um, you know, develop connections with, um, with faculty and really get the most out of, um, out of this experience. Yeah. No, that's great. I appreciate all of the the nuance. I think maybe the last question I have about about this process is for many folks, <laughs> they they may feel as if uh, their choice is I can put a lot of, uh, I can put aside money for college and then I won't be able to retire. Like like this idea that you're that your college or educational savings is coming from the same stash. From the same bucket, right, yeah. Right, the same <laughs> bucket. Like, talk a little bit about, like, for, for some people, it really, you know, they're, they're not that far off in the, in the timelines of life. How, do you, how should folks, what's beneficial for parents to, to think about in terms of um, retirement savings and education savings and... Yeah. What they need to well, I, what I find as a financial advisor is parents go to one of two extremes. One is I'm only saving for retirement. <laughs> <laughs> and the other is I only have 18 years to save for college. So that's where I'm going to focus all my money right now. And I'll deal with retirement at, at another point. My rule of thumb is this. The, your first priority is emergency savings. Your second priority is retirement savings. But college is also important, so don't over so don't overlook it. If you're not saving for retirement at all, you shouldn't be saving for college either. In most cases, yep. um, you know these are rules of thumb, not yeah. diktats. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, your experience may may vary, um, but if you're saving for retirement and not maxing it out, so maxing it out means in 2023, you know, $22,500 into your 401k, if you're under 50, 30,000, if you're over. So if you're not maxing that out, then no more than 10% of what's going into retirement should go into college. If you're contributing $10,000 to retirement, 
$1,000 to college. Move those numbers up together though, so that, you know, if you want to be saving more for college, you're, you're doing that by saving more for, for retirement as well. And the good news is the tax benefits of making retirement contributions might free up some additional dollars for college. And similarly, if you're in a state that offers tax benefits for college contributions, that can free up some additional money um, in 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 the oh, pool. Right, as right, well. right. Because some you know, if you're if you're maxing out retirement and have additional money to save for college, then I'd say, you know, think about how much do you need to contribute to your 529 to get the maximum state tax benefit varies by state. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So there's no, there's no one rule for that or start working backwards from, from the cost of college. You know, if you want to have a hundred percent of the cost of in-state public college in savings by the time your child graduates from high school, that's about $375 a month, every month from from the time they're born. Now, don't let that scare you yeah, because right. most people don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but, but just as, a, a, you know, as yeah. a way of thinking about it, if you are, you know, if you are um, able to to contribute more towards um, towards college savings. Now, for a lot of people, even those, you know, none of those numbers that I just mentioned worked. Here's a reason to have a 529 even if you aren't able to save. 529s have this feature called a gifting page. And a gifting page is just a link that you can give out to family, friends, other people who give gifts to your children, whether it's birthdays, holidays, graduations, special occasions, whatever the case may be. If you don't want more toys, give them the gifting link to your 529 and say, this is really what we would prefer over um, another set of blocks or (laughs) um, another video game or... (laughs) whatever, whatever the case may be. That's fabulous. Okay. Right. So you'll, you're able to, that that's actually great to know too. So you can tap in the people who were trying to figure out how to do something thoughtful for your child. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I speak with so many grandparents in my, you know, in my job as a financial advisor, I speak with so many grandparents who say, I would like to help my kids, or my grandkids out, but I don't want to just give them money that goes into the general fund and they take a trip to Disneyland. I want to help with education. I want to help yeah. with, with something else. Well, guess this what is... parents, that's your gifting page. <laughs> yeah. The 529. That sounds fabulous. Wow. I, I'm just, thank you so much. Like this is really, there are so many practical takeaways in terms of sites and in terms of math formulas and in terms of conversations. And thank you for the developmental layout of like this age, talk about this at this age, talk about that. And, and I think one of the, the things to end on a little bit is, is, you know, it's a funny thing. And I find in my work all the time that when folks are anxious, we avoid, <laughs> right? I say that the one behavior that keeps me in business is avoidance across the scope in so many different ways. If you said, what's the, you and me yes. <laughs> what is the singular thing that keeps me employable? It's like avoidance. And so this is an invitation. If you hear this and you're overwhelmed and you think, oh my gosh, I've done nothing. And, and you don't spinning, spinning out, spiraling, you know, isn't, doesn't, doesn't change that path. So it's like, how do you take a deep breath and if you're co-parenting um, with someone or whatever, just just sit down and really uh, clarify your intentions and and commit and and learn about some of this stuff and pick up Ian's book and or other things. Check out the website because there, I think 
what the the magic of these resources is they make this massive abstract thing doable, visible, calculable, all of those things. So thank you so much for coming and offering this. I can't, I'm really excited to put this out there for folks to go ahead and, and um, wrap their minds around. Thank you very much, Anne. Yeah, and thank you for having me. And if I could give one yeah, final plug, please. Book, it would be this. The way it's written is as a practical guide to get you on this pathway. So every chapter has a worksheet at the end that has you actually put the things into practice that we talked about in the chapter, whether it's setting up your 529, whether it's having conversations with your kids, whether it's identifying your child's strengths and weaknesses as a student, whether it's researching colleges, every chapter has a worksheet that lets you Ah. pull this all together into into one place so that when you get to the end you have a whole plan for how you're going to tackle all of this oh fabulous i'm excited to share it and that's again so helpful because it just half of parenting is spinning (laughs) right (laughs) like it's just being in a perpetual spin so these are really great grounding tools to stop the spin and help you take small steps forward which and the hope is right that those make that that looming deadline um less overwhelming and more manageable and so that you and your child don't share a lot of anxieties before, during, and after college with the finances of things. So yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it greatly. And I know my listeners will too. Thanks, Anne. Thank you for having me. Sure. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Just a quick note here at the end to say, I am so glad you joined and I hope you are too. And if you'd like to connect with me more, come take a look at my website, www.drlauraanderson.com. There you can join my newsletter, keep in touch and find out what is in the works. You can also join me for coffee and conversation uh, and Facebook at Common Cord Psychology Services. So check me out those places and I look forward to further connection. I'm glad you were here today.